Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, John McGee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey friends, we've got a special episode for you today. We're going to play for you a talk that Timothy T.A. Atik gave at CLC this year, our Church Leaders Conference, and it was on Psalm 23. Now, that's a passage, if you are a communicator, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader, you've probably given to someone else. You've probably used this passage somewhere uh, in your leadership or in your ministry, but I think what we found was very few leaders have actually sat under uh, the preaching of this passage to them. And so I would encourage you to sit back, to listen, uh, not look for an outline that you can use uh, somewhere else with someone else, but just for you as a leader to be reminded that you actually have a good shepherd uh, as well. So without any further ado, please listen to this talk from my friend, Timothy Atik. All right. Hey, uh, good to see you guys. It is, uh, it's such a joy to have you all here to host you. Uh, I'm excited to see some old friends, and I'm just looking forward to the chance to worship alongside you and learn with you. I, uh, I wanna start just by sharing that several years ago, I made a very unfortunate decision to attempt to drive from Austin, Texas to Dallas with uh, my two sons who were about two and a half and five months old at the time, but I was making the trip without my wife. And uh, I just had no good friends in my life who could speak into my life and just say, don't do it. Uh, So I made my way up I-35, and I was crushing it as a dad for the first hour, primarily uh, because both boys were asleep. Uh, But then they woke up, and I just made the decision that it's time for lunch. And so I pulled off into the Chick-fil-A in Temple, Texas, for lunch. And when I parked the car... I, I just sat for about 15 to 30 seconds just thinking, what, what needs to happen for me to get in and out without dying? And I felt like I had my game plan, so I got out, and I looked like a circus, people. I mean, I had the diaper bag slung over my chest. I had my five-month-old Andrew in the cart carrier. I had my two-and-a-half-year-old in this hand. And you could just see the sympathy on the Chick-fil-A workers' faces. They were like... My pleasure. Like, it's always their pleasure, but I really felt like it was truly their pleasure in that moment. So we went in, we got our food, we sat down. Everything is going great until right in the middle of lunch, my five-month-old just bombs his diaper. And I was like, all right, uh, we're going to have to do something about this. So I gathered up everything we owned, and we made our way into the bathroom Chick-fil-A, Temple, Texas. I think every man's bladder was synced up at that moment because every man in the restaurant went to the bathroom as well. So I'm in this crowded bathroom. I pull down the changing table. I put my five-month-old on it. I tell my two-and-a-half-year-old, you just stand right here. (laughs) And I begin to ferociously wipe this five-month-old down. And as I'm wiping him down, he floods the changing table, different number this time. (laughs) And he puts the changing table out of order. And when he floods the changing table, right as he does that, I use my last wet wipe. So I just want to bring you up to speed in case you're not tracking. I am in a moment, people. I I am stranded. I am standing there. I just want you to picture it. I am standing there holding a bare-bottomed baby in the air 
with nowhere to put him and nothing to clean him with. And you're like, man, that's worst case scenario. No, it isn't. (laughs) Do you know what worst case scenario is? It's holding a bare bottom baby with nowhere to go. Nowhere to, nothing to wipe them up with and looking left just in time to see your two and a half year old playing with the urinal cake. That's worst case scenario. So let's talk about stress. I'm gonna tell you, when I stood in that bathroom, holding that baby, seeing that urinal cake. (laughs) I felt stressed out, overwhelmed, and out of control. And that was changing a baby's diaper. Some of you here this week and you're like, I'm doing three people's jobs. Some of you here are trying everything you can and yet attendance is still trending in the wrong direction, and nobody is ever happy. Some of your giving is down because of discussions of a recession. Others of you are miserable because the leadership above you or the elders above you, it seems that things are more political than spiritual. Some of your families hate your job because of what it does to you. And if that's you, I wouldn't be surprised if you feel stressed out, overwhelmed, and out of control. And so the theme for this week is reflect. And I feel like there is no better place for us to start than just inviting every one of us to reflect upon our good shepherd. Here's the reality. If you are in ministry and you are leading people, you are a shepherd. And every shepherd needs a shepherd. Every shepherd needs a shepherd. Uh, David, King David, he wrote the most famous chapter in the Bible, Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, everyone knows it. What does he say? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Why did David choose that imagery? Well, David was a shepherd. He was the son of a shepherd And kings in the ancient Near East were were known as shepherd kings. And so when David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, do you know what he's saying? He's saying even this shepherd needs a shepherd. And the thing that I love about David, the reason that David is my favorite character in the Bible besides Jesus is because I get him. Like he has really high highs and really low lows. When we think about David, we think about him conquering a giant with a sling and a stone or ruling a nation. But David knew what it felt like to be stressed out, overwhelmed, and out of control. I mean, think about his life. He was anointed at the age of 15. He was told he was going to be king. He lived on the run because someone was trying to kill him for 10 to 15 years. David's best friend was killed. Four of his children died prematurely. His daughter was raped. One of his kids tried to take the throne from him. David had to lead his country through a three-year famine. He knew what it was like to be stressed out, overwhelmed, and out of control. And yet he pins these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says it another way or another translation. The NIV puts it this way, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. 
The New Living Translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And so that's where I want to start with us today. Because what I hope you realize is that your peace isn't found in what you have, but in who has you. Every shepherd needs a shepherd. And what I hope you see is that God's identity is what brings peace to our reality and clarity to our activity. God's identity as shepherd, it brings peace to our reality and clarity to our activity. And so if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the most famous chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 23. You know, the beautiful thing about this shepherd imagery is that our Savior picks up that imagery. In John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So as we talk about God being our shepherd, we are looking at our Savior, Jesus Christ, as well. When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I believe that he is implying at least five things. I believe that he's at least saying, the Lord is my leader, the Lord is my owner, the Lord is my provider, the Lord is my protector, and the Lord is my physician. And my hope today is that some of you guys will get in touch with your good shepherd. So let's just talk about it. David starts in verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When David says the Lord is my shepherd, I first think that he's saying the Lord is my leader. Because if you look at how David goes on in verses 2 and 3, look at the verbs. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying, the Lord is my leader. In the ancient Near East, shepherds didn't drive their sheep from behind. They led them from, from the front. And if you think about what a shepherd's responsibility was, the shepherd was in charge as the leader. The shepherd was in charge of the path and the pace. Another way of saying it is the shepherd was in charge of the wares and the winds. Because God was David's shepherd, just think about what was the path for David? Well, the path was living on the run. What was the pace? It was about 15 years before he became king of even just a part of the nation of Israel. That was the path. That was the pace. If you look at the, the Old Testament, God is referred to as shepherd over the nation of Israel. Psalm 78, 52 says, Then he, God, led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like, like a flock. What was the path for the nation of Israel? It was wandering in the, around the wilderness. What was the pace? 40 years. Here's the deal. If you're frustrated with God right now, I guarantee you, you are frustrated with his leadership. You have a problem with either the path or the pace. You have a problem with either where he has you or how slowly things are going. So I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, we moved to Dallas right at the beginning of 2022. We came here because God clearly called us here. 2022 was the hardest year of my life. Hardest year of my life because there were so many things that were out of my control. We just had issues of all kinds. Issues with housing, issues with school, struggling 
children, figuring out different dynamics at work, we felt like we were being hit from all angles. And I reached a point in 2022 where if I'm honest, I was frustrated with God. There was a moment where I was like, God, I don't understand why you called us here. Because we came because it was so clear. It felt like it was clear because you were moving us into a new season of blessing. You're probably taking us to green pastures and quiet waters. But here's what I realized. If you look at verse 3, it says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That he leads me in paths of righteousness. That can also be translated, he leads me in right paths. And then what does verse 4 say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So here's what that means. God right, God's right paths sometimes lead you through green pastures. And sometimes God's right path leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. That can be really frustrating. And so you have to figure out, is God still good even when his paths lead you through the valley of the shadow of death? It's interesting because, and I'm jumping all over Psalm 23, but in the last verse, what does David say? He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Which is interesting because he starts and he says, God leads me. He goes before me. But then he ends and he says, he's coming behind me. So you have this picture of God going before and coming behind. And he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. In the Hebrew, that idea is is an idea of pursuing or chasing. It's used in the Old Testament primarily of enemies in pursuit of someone. And David is saying, I know exactly what it feels like to be chased by enemies. And yet, even more than my enemies, the goodness of God is chasing me all the days of my life. Even on the day when his best friend died. Even on the days that each of his four kids died prematurely. Even on the day that his daughter was raped. Even on the day that the three-year famine started, the goodness of God was chasing him. And so in 2022, you know what I had to learn? I had to learn that sometimes God's goodness reveals itself in material blessing. And sometimes God's goodness reveals itself in him just giving what you need, giving you what you need today to make it. That he doesn't stop the storm, but he sustains you through it. And so I tell you that just to say that some of you You're frustrated with God, you're weary with God, and your problem with God is with his leadership. And he is a good shepherd. He is a good leader. And his goodness is revealed even in the valley of the shadow of death. I sat right down there in the midst of 2022, and we ended up singing the song, The Goodness of God. And the, the wording says, your goodness is running after me. And it was in that moment that I got perspective that even in the midst of all of the trial of 2022, there was not a day that the goodness of God was not relentlessly chasing me down. The Lord is our leader. Second, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I believe he's saying, the Lord is my owner. Now, that's weird terminology. Where do I get that from? Well, remember, Jesus picks up shepherd imagery in John chapter 10. Listen to what he says in John 10, verses 12 through 14. 
He says, he was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. He's saying, I own the sheep. And I don't know if you made the connection in the text, but Jesus basically says, I know my own and my own know me. The hired hand doesn't own the sheep and the hired hand doesn't care for the sheep, but I care for the sheep. He's drawing a connection between ownership and care. That's the way things work in this world. If you own something, you're the one who cares the most about it. You're the one who takes the most responsibility for it. And so... Some of y'all are going to just let this roll right past you, but do not miss what I'm telling you. I'm saying this because somebody here, it's just going to hit you right in between the eyes. And it's why God brought you here this week. No one cares more about your life than Jesus Christ. No one takes more responsibility for your life than Jesus Christ. And so he sees everything that you're weighed down by, everything you're trying to carry right now, and I think he's saying, I can carry it. My shoulders are actually stronger than yours. Why don't you take it off of yours and put it onto mine? Why? Because I care for you. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Some of you today, my hope is that you will not get over the care that your good shepherd has for you right now. David says, the Lord is my leader. The Lord is my owner. Number three, the Lord is my provider. The Lord is my provider. We see that in verses two and three. He says, he makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters or waters of rest. The picture here is that David's shepherd takes him to the places where he needs to be to get the, the nourishment that he needs. He's, he's satisfied. I was reading Philip Keller's book on Psalm 23, which many of you have read, and he just talks about how sheep, you cannot make them lie down when they're still hungry. Like they have to be satisfied, otherwise they'll keep wandering around looking for something to eat. And what the picture here is, David gladly lies down. Why? Because he has all that he needs, because God has met his needs. Later in verse 5, he says, my cup overflows. It's the picture of God being host, and David is sitting at this banquet table, and God is just constantly topping off his chalice. He's completely satisfied in the provision of, of God. Now, here's what I want you to think about. When God led the nation of Israel like a flock, how did he feed them? Fed them with manna one day at a time. Like he told them, I'm gonna, you're going to wake up. There's going to be a buffet waiting for you. So you can eat, but when you're done, you don't get out your Tupperware and store things away. You're just going to trust that I'm gonna, you're going to wake up and you're going to have what you need. What do the Israelites do? Try and, you know, well, we'll save them for later and don't know what's going to, God might take a buffet break tomorrow. 
Why? It's control. It's fear. It's fear which manifests itself in control. We are fearful that God will not provide us with what we need, so we try and control the circumstances. How long did God expect the nation of Israel to walk in that type of dependence? 40 years. Now we understand why Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, for us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Like the type of relationship God wants with us is where we wake up and we're like, I'm desperate for you to provide today. Like that's what we that's what we need. We need your provision today. But our, our tendency to, our tendency, don't miss this. Our tendency is to believe that joy is found in control. And God is looking, saying joy isn't found in control. It's found in dependence. The problem is that we're control freaks. Anyone want, want to own it and just say, yeah, I'm a control freak? The rest of you are lying, trying to control your image. <laughs> and we need to have everything under control. We need to have everything under control. We need to have our church's attendance under control. We need to have all the staffing issues completely under control. We need to have people's giving under control. We need to have every person in our congregation's sin struggles under control. We need to have all of our own family issues under control control. And I just need you to know, do you know what your life will be like if you need to have everything under your control? Your life, the best way I can picture it is like your life will feel like constantly trying to carry a big pile of laundry. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you do your own laundry, you, <laughs> it's time to start doing your own laundry. All right. You take the clothes out of the washing machine, you put them in the dryer, you cram them all in, cycle runs, it's done. We're busy people. We don't have time to make multiple trips from the dryer to the couch or to the bed. So what do we do? We scrape the inside of the dryer until we feel like we have every article of clothing in our grasp. And when we just sense that we have it, we begin to make the walk. But as we begin to make the walk, we get this deep down sense to simply look back. And when we do, what do we see? Man down. Sock down. Now, this is where we display our brilliance. Because instead of going and dropping the laundry off and coming back, we developed this very noble and heroic mantra of no sock left behind. And so then we back up and we balance the laundry on one hand, freeing up an entire hand as if we were crushing it with two hands to pick up the sock. And just when we see, what, just when we get the sock, what do you see? Tidy whitey's down and shame on you for never switching to boxers. This... This will be your life. You will want control and you will never be able to have it. And life will be maddening and frustrating because you think that God's blessing in your life is him giving you complete control over everything. Now, God's blessing is him not giving you control until you realize you don't have to be in control because Jesus Christ already is. That he is before 
all things and in him all things hold together. He's, he's provider. He's provider. And I'll just say this, just say a couple things before I move on. You know, in 2022, you know what, I, you know what ended up happening is by the end of 2022, I had lost my joy, lost my joy. And then the Lord gave it back to me. Do you know how he gave it back to me? By showing me that I had tied my joy to my circumstances instead of tying my joy to my Savior. And so I read David's words in Psalm 34 when he says, those who look to him are radiant. I was like, I'm not radiant. And as I began to look to the Lord, he changed my countenance. See, as long as you look to the waves to determine your joy, you're going to struggle. You have to look to the one who is over the waves, who has complete control over them for your joy. That your joy isn't attached to your circumstances, it's attached to your Savior. I even think about what, if you want to know that, that our shepherd is a provider, just think about Jesus' words in John 10, 27 through 29. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. This is the gospel, that our good shepherd has laid down his life for us. Why? To give us eternal life. Not so we could earn eternal life, not so that we could purchase eternal life. He gives us eternal life freely, and they will never perish. No one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Pastor friend Greg Mott says this, even if God never gave us another thing, he has already given us too much. And so can we just rest in the fact that our shepherd is provider? David is saying, the Lord is my leader, the Lord is my owner, the Lord is my provider. Number four, the Lord is my protector. What does David say right there at the end of verse four when he talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death? He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was used to discipline the sheep, but the rod was also used to protect the sheep. Part of me wonders if when David was writing those words, the Lord is my shepherd. I wonder if he thought back to what he told Saul when he was trying to convince Saul that he could go to battle with Goliath. What did David say? As a shepherd. He says in 1 Samuel 17, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. He's saying, I was a shepherd. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. I struck him. I delivered it out of his mouth. If he arose against me, I love this. I caught him by his beard. What a boss thing to say. (laughs) Those words will never come out of my mouth. I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. And I just wonder if when David is writing, the Lord is my shepherd, I just wonder if he pictures that type of fervor in God. I mean, this is what Jesus has done for us when he went to the cross. He caught Satan's sin and death by the beard and dropped them. He has conquered them. So just to be clear, let's make sure our theology is intact. It is wrong to say that Jesus is winning. It's wrong to say that Jesus will win. Jesus has already won. And because of that, 
We can trust him in his protection. And so the reason that this is so important is that some of you, you are tired and you're worn down. And because you are tired and worn down, you have cracked the door on some compromising decisions. And if you're not careful, those compromising decisions are going to lead to significant consequences. And so this is a moment for some of you where God is just like, wake up. Like this is smelling salts under your nose, just saying, look, hey, the path that you are on only ends in brokenness. And so let me just invite you to see your shepherd as protector. How does God protect us? How does Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the power of the gospel become personal to us? Well, three ways. So maybe you need to change your relationship with one or all of these three things. I just want to invite you to change your relationship with the Spirit of God. Change your relationship with the Spirit of God. If you look at Ephesians 1, what does Paul talk about? He, he talks about this incomparably great power which is for us who believe. Well, what was the same power that raised Christ from the dead that Paul talks about in Ephesians 1? The power that raised Christ from the dead is for us. Well, in Romans 8, Paul tells us what that power is. Do you know what it is? It's the Spirit of God, which lives in each one of us. And so let me just, from one pastor to another, let me just remind you what you've reminded your people of. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you right now. When's the last time you woke up and begged God to unleash resurrection power in your life? You might need to change your relationship with God's spirit. You might need to change your relationship with God's word. Like, I think about like an, like an airplane where it's like, hey, put your mask on first and then masks on children. Why? Because you're of no use to your kids if you're passed out. Before you feed your people, make sure you feed yourself. Don't just study this word to figure out how you're going to teach it. Read this word for God to teach you. You cannot know God's ways without knowing his word. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then you might need to change your relationship with God's people. I think one of the most devastating sayings out there is that leadership is lonely at the top. It should never be that way. The higher you get in the organization, the greater the need for you to be fully known and fully loved. And so let me just encourage you, if you don't have a few men, a couple of men or a couple of women who know everything about you and don't run from you, you need to get them. And if we can be that for you this week, we would be happy to be that for you. If you, need to, if you need to just make a phone call and just say, I just need to fill you in on how I am doing. When I have told you that I'm doing well, that was a lie. I am not well right now. There is no greater sign of health than for you to be able to identify that you're not okay. The Lord is our protector. He protects us through his word, his spirit, his people. 
the Lord is our leader, the Lord is our owner, the Lord is our provider, the Lord is our protector. And then finally, I believe that David is saying, the Lord is my physician. The Lord is my physician. Do you see what David says at the end of, or right there in verse 3, what does he say? He says, he restores my soul. That idea of a shepherd restoring a sheep, it can mean one of two things. One, the picture is of a sheep that has wandered away and the shepherd goes after the sheep and brings them back. The other picture is of a shepherd just um, identifying what's going on, what's wrong with the, with the sheep and raising them back up to health. Philip Keller in his book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, he talks about cast sheep. You can get on YouTube and just, you guys are going to watch YouTube at some point today, so just look up cast sheep. The reality is that sheep have these these wide bodies with very flat backs. So their backs are almost like tables. And so sheep sometimes will lay down on their side to relax. And then they will tilt over and they will end up on their backs. And because their backs are so flat, they can't roll back over. And so they're just sitting there stranded. And it can actually become very dangerous for sheep because when they're on their backs that long, gases can build up in their stomach. And if they stay down for too long, gases can build up and they will die. Some of you are like, I totally get that. (laughs) That's so dumb. (laughs) But the idea is that the shepherd knows his sheep knows what's wrong with them. And it's the shepherd who identifies the needs of the sheep and can nurse them back to health. And I would just say, I know what it is like for my shepherd to restore me. In 2005, I was interning for a church. And at the same time I was interning for a church, I was going to seminary and I was living two lives. I was interning with student ministry, and I was telling students to live one way, and then in my own personal life, I I would just describe it as an extended season of doing what I wanted to do, and it was packed full of impurity, hiding, and hypocrisy, and it, it snowballed to a point where it was significant enough that I confessed it to a church staff and had to step out of leadership of any kind for, for a season of time. And that was the kindest thing that God could do for me, was to put me in a place where I could experience his care, where he went to work in my life, because I had bought a, into a lie that I could chase sin and chase Jesus at the same time. And you can't run towards sin and run towards Jesus at the same time because they're in two different directions. And so what, what my good shepherd did is he just began to nurse me back to health. He drew me in close. He, he restored m- the joy of my salvation. He, he brought me back to a place where I actually enjoyed being with him. I remember talking to a friend who heard me after the Lord had done a good work in my life and he knew me at my darkest hour. And he just said, I hear life back in your voice again. 
do you know what the name of that church was that I had to step down from? Watermark Community Church. And so I'm just here to tell you, I don't have a story to hide. I have a story to tell. And God wasn't done with me. He's not done with you. And some of you are here today and you're just terrified because you are, you've jumped off the cliff of sin and all you can see is the consequences if you were to come clean. And I would just say what's waiting for you is restoration. What's waiting for you is the healing of your soul. What's waiting for you is joy. Because remember our gospel. Our gospel is that Jesus went to the cross. He bore all of our shame. He died, but then he rose from the dead, conquering our sin, conquering our shame. Why? So that through faith, he would take our failure and replace it with his forgiveness in favor. So the invitation to some of you is just to know him as your physician this week. Every shepherd needs a shepherd. The Lord is our leader. The Lord is our owner. The Lord is our provider. The Lord is our protector. The Lord is our physician. So here's the good news. Because he is leader, some of you just need to rest in not knowing the future. You can rest that he is good and he's in charge of the path and the pace. Because he is owner, some of you right here at the beginning of the conference can just rest in the care, in the responsibility that your good shepherd takes for you. Because he is provider, you can rest in the fact that you might not always have what you want, but you will always have what you need because he knows what you need and he can give you what you need this day. Because he is protector, some of you just need to get behind him and rest in his word and in his people. And you would know the power of his spirit. And then finally, because he is physician, for some of you, today is going to be the beginning of healing and a path towards freedom and restoration. And I want to close today just by simply saying this. Some of you... I I never want to assume that just because this is the church leaders conference that, that everyone gets it. I mean, David was able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. And yet maybe some of you are realizing that you are a sheep without a shepherd. And you can say the Lord is a shepherd, but you can't say the Lord is my shepherd. So just for For the sake of not assuming that everyone gets it, let me just remind you of the good news of Christianity. Isaiah 53, 6 says that all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Every single one of us has lived life contrary to God's ways. There is none right. There is none righteous, not even one. And yet Jesus Christ is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He went to the cross. He bore our shame. And you know what the amazing thing is? Is that our good shepherd laid down his life, how? As a lamb. That Jesus was the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in doing so, he is our good shepherd. Do you know him? If you don't, if you've never come to a real place where you have real faith 
that what Christ did through his death, burial, and resurrection is now true for you, would you come and would you say, the Lord is my shepherd? Let's pray together. I just want to give you a moment to sit and maybe you just say those few words in your heart and in your mind right now over and over. Just say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And would you just allow the Spirit of God to speak into your heart? How do you need to connect with your shepherd today? Do you need to connect with them as your leader, owner, provider, protector, physician, whatever it is? Would you come to him? Would you engage with him? Would you know his loving care for you, his kindness, his nearness? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd who has laid down his life for his sheep. God, I thank you that you are near. You care for us. And so I pray that even this would be a moment where we would just cast all of our cares upon you. You know all the ways that we feel stressed out, overwhelmed, and out of control. And so I just pray for a peace that surpasses all understanding, not because of what we have, but because of who has us. The greatest thing, God, that you can give us in this moment is more of yourself. So may we know you more now. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name.